Hi, and welcome to your Owen podcast, Quick and Handy Tips for Veterinarians on the Go. I'm Dr. Melanie Barham, Owen Coordinator. Welcome to a very special Swine Ontario Animal Health Network podcast series on influenza. We'll be joined by many guests offering expertise from around Canada and the U.S. Dr. Krista Arsenault, lead veterinarian from the Animal Health and Welfare Branch at the Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs, um, as well as ex-swine veterinarian and Owen Swine Network co-lead, will be my uh, co-interviewer for these guests. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or on our website, www.owen.ca, to access the scholarly articles and links featured on the podcast. Welcome. So Krista, before we get started, can you tell us why you chose influenza as a podcast topic? Sure. The Owen Swine Network meets quarterly to discuss disease surveillance issues. These discussions are based from the Owen Veterinary Swine Surveys that are completed by individual swine vets before each call. Routinely, influenza appears as one of the top three diseases that swine vets are dealing with. The Owen Swine Network wanted to respond to this by completing this informative podcast series on influenza virus. We hope that you learn a lot by listening to this and that you enjoy it. So we have Dr. Greg Weidman with us today, and I'd like to thank you, uh, Dr. Weidman, for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us for this Owen Swine Network podcast on influenza virus. Sure. Yeah, you're welcome. And we'll start with um, asking you, uh, could you please review your background and experience within swine veterinary medicine? Sure. Yeah, I uh, graduated from Ontario Veterinary College in uh, 2003, so I'm uh, 12 and a half years into my practice career. Um, the first uh, two and a half years or so, I worked in mixed farm practice in, in British Columbia, and then for the last 10 years now, I've been working in a, a, a swine-only practice here in Ontario. So uh, I have 10 years' experience working with pigs, and um, and our practice is a, a real mix of um, routine uh, health monitoring and uh, production management, and we also get to see lots of sick pigs, especially at this time of year. Great. Thanks, Greg. Uh, could you please des- describe the typical clinical presentation of influenza uh, that you would see within one of your swine herds? Sure. And um, there's a number of uh, typical or common clinical presentations that I would see. Um, maybe I can run through them from uh, younger pigs to older pigs. And uh, I would say it's common to observe uh, a little bit of coughing in suckling pigs leading up to weaning. So these would be suckling pigs that are two to three weeks old. And uh, it's common to... Uh, to hear a little bit of a cough in those pigs, uh, in pigs that are otherwise very healthy. And uh, on numerous occasions, we have uh, looked for influenza virus in those old suckling pigs and found it. So influenza will be uh, sometimes part of an endemic cough in suckling pigs. I would say in the nursery is where I would experience the most uh, harsh or severe clinical presentation, and uh, in particular, when we would have a mix of influenza and PERS virus, plus or minus other bacterial copathogens in the nursery, we can get fairly significant respiratory disease caused by a mix of bugs, of which influenza would be one, one of the primary drivers. So that would be uh, coughing, failure to go on to feed, some you know more severe respiratory signs like thumping, and some pigs uh, that uh, you know lose weight or go gant as the as the nursery period goes on. And in that case, again, I would stress that I I think the most severe issue is when we get influenza and PERS in the same 
group of pigs at the same time. Uh, moving on to the finishing barn, uh, every so often, every few months, we will come across a finishing barn with a sudden and profound onset of cough that uh, affects a high proportion of the pigs in the barn, um, in pigs that were previously healthy. And so we do get <clears throat> these uh, kind of acute swine influenza outbreaks in finishing pigs from time to time, and they tend to be uh, fairly short, again, depending on what the the uh, cofactors are, in particular the co-pathogens that are present. And then, you know, moving on finally to the adult pig in, uh, in the breeding herd, I would say it's uncommon now for me to find a, uh, a breeding herd that breaks with influenza. That type of clinical presentation was very common at the beginning of my career uh, as uh, the original H3N2 made its way across Canada and impacted sow herds quite severely. So I would say that's uncommon now, but what we do definitely see is uh, that uh, replacement gilts that are purchased and moved into a breeding herd will sometimes uh, acclimatize to uh, you know a whole host of sow herd bugs, including influenza, and that can lead to some clinical signs in new gilts as they arrive into a breeding herd. So I think those are that's the list of different typical clinical presentations that I could I could talk about. That's great, Greg. Uh, thank you very much for providing us with that. What routine testing for influenza do you as a practitioner uh, submit for diagnostics? So let me just begin by uh, mentioning the fact that I, I do a lot of vet uh, work for breeding stock companies where we would be doing uh, routine visits to uh, healthy herds and routine blood work to test for some of the key pathogens that we, you know, we don't want to spread as we sell seed stock. And so I would have uh, quite a number of herds that I would be doing routine visits and would be testing for influenza in those herds on the basis of monitoring for clinical signs. And with influenza, that's, you know, that's that's quite effective first step because a, a herd that is believed to be uh, negative for influenza or is stable for influenza, you're going to you're going to be able to uh, experience and observe the uh, the clinical signs of coughing if uh, something changes there. So that would be the first test is just monitoring the monitoring the herd through observation of clinical signs. When I have a nursery that uh, that starts to struggle, you know, with respiratory disease or with growth and variability or mortality, I will often, you know, be submitting tissues from such a nursery because, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we're aware of the possibility at least that there could be a number of different pathogens involved. And uh, to do a good full respiratory workup, you know, we're going to want some tissues. And, uh, of course, doing uh, antigen testing for influenza, so, you know, PCR, IHC would be part of that diagnostic plan. And, and in, you know, both the nursery and the finisher barn, when we're investigating a respiratory outbreak, I would say in addition to tissue sampling, we have become quite fond of uh, oral fluid sampling, uh, in particular for PERS and influenza. And uh, I would say now oral fluids uh, from a proportion of a sick population submitted for influenza and PERS-PCR that's that's my routine because I uh, it's just so common that you'll find one or both of those pathogens in a group of coughing pigs, and that's a very effective, efficient way to find them. 
If you can just explain for our listeners what oral fluid testing would be, because not all of our listeners will be vets. If you can just give a brief overview of what you do for oral fluid uh, collection and submission. Sure. I'd be happy to. And, and I would say, first off, uh, that uh, this has been a uh, an active uh, area of inquiry recently among uh, some of the swine researchers uh, in North America. And there would be lots of information on how to collect the samples and how to submit the samples and interpret the samples in the AASV library. That's the American Association of Swine Veterinarians uh, online library. So I'd refer listeners there. But basically what we do is we find uh, cotton ropes, and they have to be cotton ropes, uh, not uh, plastic-based ropes. And we hang those in a, in, a, in a pen where there's a group of uh, pigs with a clinical issue. And the natural curiosity of the pig will lead them to chew on those ropes. And as they do so, they will leave a pooled oral fluid sample in the rope. The rope becomes saturated with saliva, basically. And that sample has to be handled fairly carefully, uh, so it has to be put on ice, you know, immediately. That's just because there will be obviously so many other things present in the saliva, proteins and contaminants, that it's not a really stable sample. But having said that, it, it has been a very sensitive sample for us on the herd level to figure out if uh, if we can identify any PERS virus or influenza virus that's either being shed or carried in the oronasal cavity of the pig and ends up in that saliva sample. So does that is that clear enough, Krista, on, on how we do that? And, and maybe I'll just add before I let you answer that we you know we submit those samples to the Animal Health Laboratory at the University of Guelph, and they have validated uh, PCR tests for for looking for uh, PERS and flu on oral fluids. Wonderful. I think that was a great overview. Thanks for providing that, Greg. You were speaking um, regarding uh, diagnostics that you would submit. Sure. And I guess the only other point that I was going to bring forward there was that uh, for me, I, I, I must admit I don't do a lot of uh, serological uh, testing for influenza. I believe there are some times when it's uh, valuable. But my opinion is we need to understand uh, influenza and in particular, you know, the subtypes uh, of influenza that are present on a farm at a level of detail that, uh, for me, the, the serological tests just don't allow. So I'm doing PCR with uh, partial uh, H gene sequencing and, in some cases, whole genome sequencing uh, rather than serological testing. Could you explain the reasons for why you as a Swine practitioners feel it's important to submit samples for influenza diagnostics. I have a number of reasons. Reason number one is that the influenza uh, picture on some farms is quite complicated. And uh, so I'm thinking about farms with uh, multiple sites, sometimes with uh, a business strategy that involves commingling of pigs from, from different sites into a single site. And that usually occurs at weaning or at the feeder pig stage. And, and also some farms that uh, are, you know, quite complicated in terms of uh, where pigs are sourced from. So we would have some farmers that are uh, purchasing or bringing in pigs from either Western Canada or Quebec. Um, and we have some farmers that are, uh, you know, raising pigs uh, that are born in Ontario uh, in other, you know, usually U.S. states. So we've got uh, we've got a lot of 
complicated influenza pictures based on, you know, different geographical regions being involved, different pig flows being involved. And, um, and of course, the fact that, uh, you know, there's a lot of different uh, ways now that we've identified that pigs can, you know, come into contact with influenza, including from people. So I have a number of clients that I would work with where we would have found multiple strains of influenza in a, in a single site or in a pig flow over time. Three, four, five different strains of influenza. I have a couple of examples of that. And so we have to do sampling on complicated farms like that with uh, sequencing, as I've already mentioned, to truly understand uh, the picture of, of what's occurring. And, you know, this, this represents change in the last, I would say, uh, five or so years, probably six years now since 2009. Over that time period, we've come to realize that, um, you know, the traditional commercially available influenza vaccines that uh, we were using have become less and less similar to the uh, circulating strains that are in farms in Ontario. So we've got some, um, you know, newer uh, recombinant H3N2 strains, and we've got now some uh, some newer H2N1 strains uh, that are dissimilar to the H2N1 strains in commercial vaccines. And, of course, we've got some, still some, I think, a significant number of what we would call the pandemic H1N109 strains circulating in Ontario, too. And there is a commercial vaccine for those, but it, it uh, you know, it is a complicated picture. It's different from farm to farm, and we, we have no hope of understanding any of that. And we have no hope of uh, using the producer's healthcare dollar efficiently in terms of using proper vaccines unless we understand what's circulating on the farm. So yeah, I guess that that's you know my main reason for for uh, submitting uh, influenza diagnostics. I guess an additional uh, little point I might make there is it's my own belief, and I think that this is proven out in in uh, some of the scientific literature that it's very common for there to be uh, reverse zoonotic transmission of influenza. Uh, in other words, where people get uh, sick first, perhaps, with a strain of influenza, and they give that to the pigs. And so, uh, you know, doing um, influenza diagnostics has helped us uh, prove the presence of influenza in some populations, even if it's not really clinically severe. Um, and uh, and that has then generated a teachable moment for us to, uh, you know, double down on, on uh, biosecurity practices, in particular, um, trying to understand how we can do a better job of keeping that human-animal interface fairly tight so that we don't have um, reverse zoonotic events. That makes complete sense. Uh, thank you for that, Greg. I just want to explain to all of our listeners that uh, recently we had heard that there's a new influenza testing uh, slash uh, genotyping initiative uh, that was released by OMAFRA, the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs. And what that initiative uh, does is that any Ontario influenza diagnostics submitted to the Animal Health Laboratory in Guelph that are PCR positive 
will automatically be uh, sequenced, um, and those sequencing results will therefore be reported back to practitioners. Uh, financially, um, all costs of subsequent sequencing testing will be compensated by OMAFRA. And so um, that knowledge in mind, um, Dr. Weidman, if you could please explain uh, the importance of such an initiative from a practitioner's uh, point of view. You know, beginning with the, the financial compensation part of it, that is that is going to be important in some cases, and it's because sometimes, you know, influenza is um, a, pr- a pretty mild infection and clinical syndrome in pigs, and so, yeah, it is true that sometimes producers and veterinarians would hesitate to spend a lot of diagnostic money when, you know, the uh, the clinical presentation is is typical for a mild influenza, and the expectation is there'll be very little loss or or uh, ongoing damage because of it. So uh, having uh, testing available at a at a very low cost to the producer is is going to be helpful. And I think as I've already stated, you know, influenza genotyping is is for me just a requirement. You know, to have a a PCR test that tells us positive or negative for influenza is is not helpful enough. We need to uh, go uh, further in understanding exactly what genotypes or subtypes of influenza are present on the farm, because that uh, that helps us to you know structure our biosecurity to you know to meet the objective of keeping influenza out, and it helps us to uh, do a good job of vaccinating the pigs in some cases as well. So I'm pleased to hear this, and um, you know, it, uh, this this initiative will uh, is is going to help us to advance in our influenza understanding, to resemble more where we're at with our PERS understanding, and so genotyping of PERS virus, if I could speak about that for a moment, has has really helped advance PERS control in Ontario. It has been a a, a key technological development that has. Uh, allowed for these area and regional control programs for PERS, where we get an understanding of, you know, the PERS genotypes, not just on an individual farm, but within a neighborhood. And, and that leads to a, a productive biosecurity discussion that can involve, you know, numerous producers who happen to live close to one another. And influenza, like PERS, is, um, is a, a pathogen that can spread uh, by aerosol from site to site. And uh, so I'm looking forward to having, you know, a, a broader understanding of the influenza genotypes that are in Ontario and in particular neighborhoods. And that's going to uh, that's going to help uh, producers, uh, you know, I think, take take steps towards uh, controlling influenza in an area as as we have, you know, started to become better at with PERS. Thanks for uh, providing us with that input, Greg. What are the main take-home messages from what we've talked about or maybe something that we've missed that you feel that swine practitioners should pay attention to when dealing with influenza? I feel that uh, influenza is one of the uh, the key pathogens that we as swine veterinarians have to be paying attention to today and into the future. You know, we, uh, we read the science news from around the world and, and we understand that um, in, uh, in, in the world of influenza, we are sometimes just a, you know, a, a small mutation step away from, from having a really severe problem to deal with. And that's a problem that could, uh, in, you know, impact not just pigs, but people as well. And so, 
you know, influenza uh, has the possibility of, of uh, you know, being a very severe problem for our producers in terms of their, you know, the health of their animals. It has the potential to be uh, a very severe problem for the public in Ontario. It has the potential to be a very severe uh, trade-limiting disease, and that's important for the swine industry in Ontario as, a, as an export-driven industry. So uh, influenza is on our list in our practice of the big bugs that we have to be paying attention to for those reasons. And, um, and you know, having more sophisticated uh, testing available through this uh, OMAFRID initiative is uh, therefore uh, timely and very helpful in dealing with influenza as a, as a big bug, if you will. That's great. Thank you so much, Dr. Weidman, for joining uh, us today. Those are all the questions that I had for you. Um, I would like to especially thank you on behalf of the Owen Swine Network for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to give us your uh, practitioner point of view on influenza virus. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, be sure to check us out on Facebook and Twitter, too, as well as our uh, website, owen.ca, to access the scholarly articles and links featured on the podcast. 